Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right, DJs. Proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane. Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sportsbook to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to 25,000 big ones, or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, my bookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now, take advantage of their generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is use the promo code DEGENS, that's D-E-G-E-N-S, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Use the promo code DEGENS to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey, everybody. Arch here, and I am talking with Rich. What's going on, Rich? Just hanging out, March, talking to the man. Who's the man? The knuckle sandwich man. That's you. <laughs> That's yeah, me. I better, yeah. you know, I, I better behave with that new icon. It, That's true. It's going to come right through the screen, and you know, that, that 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 kid is about as intimidating as I you know I've I've ever seen. You I mean it almost rivals the undertaker in some of those WWE matches where wow. the, the lights go out and the fog comes up and the Metallica music hits for yeah. whom the bell holds. And then he's laying there with his makeup on and then boom, his eyes pop open. I mean, it gives me the same sort of kind of you should fear. Yeah. You should be terrified. Absolutely. I, terrified. I, I am absolutely terrified. All right, man. Whew. So we got a lot to talk about today. Cause you sent me over some stuff that I posted over on the website. You sent me some fantasy golf. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about that other stuff. Other stuff. Well, we can talk about it if you want to. Nah, 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 you nah. know I don't restrict anybody's speech on my channel. You can say whatever you want. Hey, so you're the anti uh, you're the anti corporate uh, sports leagues then, huh? Yes, yes. You can say anything you want. And that's the way it should be, right? Yeah. Everyone should have a voice even if you don't agree with it and and that and that's I, I think the American way. No, it is. I I agree. That is the American way. Hey, just say what you want and you know, just be prepared to back it up. Like, you yeah. Know. And, you know, and if someone has a different opinion from you, it doesn't make them, you know, evil or amoral or, or immoral. It just, they have a different uh, opinion on getting uh, perhaps to the same, you know, the same goal, just a different path to get there. And, you know, just because I'm trying to drive to Milwaukee from Chicago doesn't mean I have to take a specific route. There's a lot of roads to get there. So no. I'm not one that's big on intentions personally. I'm big on outcomes. You know, I, as we've talked before, you know, I intend on winning, winning every race and every bet. Um, but really at the end of the day, what matters to my wallet is the outcome. Did I, or did I not win? Okay. Well, we can talk, let's talk on that because I do think that 
people do have a problem assuming intent everyone's intent i know what they're thinking i know what they're feeling you, nobody knows nobody knows their intent i don't know because all of these folks that read your palms and shit they still wait for you to come in and pay 15 bucks and they have a <laughs> Uh, you know, it doesn't look like they have an extravagant lifestyle. So you would think if they could and they knew they would go out and play the right numbers at least once. Right. I, I agree with that. So, yeah, I think trying to read into people's intent is just insane. That's why, you know, I, I focus on outcomes. You know, what 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 is the outcome? Did it work or did it not work? It, that's the way to be. And if it worked, then whether your intentions were right or wrong, it, 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 if the outcome was positive, it doesn't really matter how you got there. What matters is that you got there. And, and if, to me, I have found in my life, the funny thing has been, you know, and I tell my children is that, you know, everything, every decision that you make, no matter how big or small, it seems to have consequences, right? At some mm-hmm. point when you do stupid stuff, it catches up to you, right? So you might be one of those kids who's smart and you don't really have to apply yourself to do well in fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth grade. But when, you know, when, when, when the coursework really starts to pick up in difficulty, if you haven't learned the lessons of how to study and, and then that decision to not really maximize your talent is going to come back to haunt you when you're trying to learn how to ha- learn how to study to put the work in at while the course material is picking up in difficulty it's a very it's a, it's not so easy to do right and then you know the consequences of that decision are going to come back you know to to either help you or haunt you depending right. upon which side of the equation you're on so you'll end up on a friday afternoon chatting with a horse racing handicapper right who gets criticized on his website for picking the dodgers to cover one and a half runs I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not, I'm, that's not ringing a bell. Do you not even look at your own website? <laughs> let, let yeah, me, I, I, let, yeah, let, yeah. Let me read for you. Oh I, no! I have to it up too. So Rich. now you're going to get three page views on the day. So what does it say here? Let's see. It says Rich likes the Dodgers. Rich apparently agrees with the Sex Panther on the Dodgers game. I need yeah. a new horse racing expert now. Whoa! Hmm. I'm not sure what that. I'm not sure what that meant. I don't know who put it's that cryptic. up there. It's cryptic. Yeah, I don't think so either. So. I, by the way, folks, if you took my line, I know you had to put a buck fifty to win a dollar, but at least you're in the uh, positive side. I, I remember somebody else yeah, listening yeah. to a podcast who liked the the uh, the Nationals. I don't know who that was. Yeah, I st- I'm telling you, man, I, they were they were getting ready to turn it around, but the rain screwed them up. Yeah, that's kind of bullshit, anyway, but. Especially since they don't let the total count when the rain comes. So if how do you know that the total doesn't matter if if the final score does? Yeah, you didn't get paid on your total. You didn't get paid on your run line in that Yankees Nationals game. Nuts. It is. It is. It is. And you know we've I've, I've ranted about this last season, and I'm sure I've ranted about it in seasons prior. If you already have the over in the fourth inning and it gets rained out, they still won't pay you. It's like. Yeah, the game's already over. Where's it going to go? Well, you know, in this day and age, though, in in the name of fairness, they might start taking runs off the board for teams just to make sure that everybody feels like they've participated. That could be. Could be. That that wouldn't shock me, honestly. (laughs) They start handicapping games. Okay, you know, the Yankees are better by three runs, so we're going to start the Nationals off at the bottom of the first with a 2-0 lead before they're done singing the National Anthem. 
Could be, man. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, don't don't give Manfred any more ideas. He's already trying to fuck him up as much as he can. Yeah, I think you know baseball's got some problems. They're losing viewership. You know, it's kind of it's. I think they have to find a way to make the game a little bit more. I was just reading because I was doing a report on uh, the market for something, and you know, Gen Z supposedly has a, a, a Gen Z, right? Yeah, Gen Z has an eight second attention span. <laughs> And that's not me saying this, folks, if you're a Gen Z or listening, but if you are, you're probably on your phone and listening to me and doing something else at the same time. Yeah. But the uh, some psychologist report that I read on marketing to Gen Zers, and, and they have an eight-second attention span. So baseball should try to make something happen every eight seconds. So that way, you know, that, that shutter in the brain is timed up with the game. Boy. Well, Trevor Bauer would agree with you. He rants and raves. If you haven't checked it out, you should. Everybody should go find Trevor Bauer's uh, YouTube channel. It's it's really good stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'll he ran, he, he, he rants and raves about baseball's inability to understand the 21st century. Well, I mean, I think there's something to be said for um, being traditional in, in that. Well, I mean, they didn't have steroids and all that stuff back then, but the numbers kind of, you know, you you can in baseball probably more so than any other sport you can compare generations and, and have a, a sense of, you know, who is, who is great from an all time standpoint, uh, because there is some consistency into the, how the game is played and, and, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Well, there was and, and right. when they flatten the mound and get rid of the mound entirely, then things will be definitely be changing. Yeah, for sure. Mm, boy. All you right. Get that same leverage and be able to strike folks out like Bob Gibson. <laughs> right. Right. But that's not what they want. Every, every, every set of rules that's ever been invented has been to help the offense, it seems. They want yeah, more scoring, I mean, more points. Because people have a short attention span. <laughs> yeah, right. They need they, to be more they, action. They want, to see, they want to see the fireworks. They don't want to see the uh, – you know, they, don't, they don't want to see – I don't know, though, but I enjoy watching an ace pitcher. I mean, I remember when I was a kid watching baseball and, you know, growing up in the Poconos, not too far out of New York, and – you know, one of my favorite baseball players was Roger Clemens because he was just crazy mm-hmm. and he was fun to watch and you just never knew what to expect. And, <laughs> they, and they had actual real rivalries in baseball back then, you know, the Dodgers and the, you know, I, I used to drive with my buddies from the Poconos into the Bronx to go watch the Yankees play at old Yankee stadium. And, you know, and, and I remember we went to a couple of Red Sox Yankees games and, and there was one game I went to where oil can Boyd. I don't know if people remember him, but he actually threw a ball into the Yankees dug uh, dugout from the like from the playing field during the course <laughs> of the game. Yes. And, and they didn't like each other. So, I mean, right. you know, and so I, I, mean, I don't know if it's like that today because of free agencies and, and just, the you know, the, the mentality that people have nowadays. But. I, I love Roger Clemens picking up the bat, you know, and throwing at the guy after he walks down the thing. It was in the World Series, right? I mean, you just don't see that anymore. No, no, you don't see that anymore at all. Oh, man. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, maybe it hurt the game. Maybe it helped the game. But yeah, you just don't see it anymore. I don't see how it hurts. Drama sells, man. That's true. That's true. Well, let's you have a- see the next time they play, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. You want to see what's up. I mean, the people, you cannot tell me that non-Astros fans don't want to see Astros games this year just to see if guys get hit. Oh, I know, yeah, I know in March, everyone was talking, rooting for it, actively rooting for it. 
Right. So, I mean, as a fan of baseball, if, for those who are watching, if, uh, you know, it, on a Saturday afternoon, you might say, well, am I going to cut the grass or am I going to go watch the game? Well, let's see who's playing. Oh, the Astros are playing. Oh, they're playing against the Yankees. I mean, there could be some bad blood. Let me see how many people get beamed and if there's a bench clearing brawl. You know, th- that's kind of a, you know, I know it's it's kind of the hockey thing, but it, you, know, you go to a hockey game, the loudest cheers are when, you know, the guys toss the gloves and start duking it out. Yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's, it, it's soap opera for men. Yeah, so primitive. But, yeah, that's yeah. what we are, bro. Get no argue from here. I'm, I'm very primitive. Mm-hmm. All Simple right. things, baby. Give me some food. <laughs> give me some fun. And let me sleep. Yes, and give me some good fantasy golf projections. Yeah, how about that, huh? Fantasy golf. Yeah, I sent you off my projections, and, you know, it's um, – it's one of those things where the geek in me came out or the nerd. I don't know what the right term is. There's probably a new term today, but I, um, I'm interested in, in, in risk versus return and mm-hmm. uh, taking a small risk with the opportunity to have a big return on your money. And, you know, these DraftKings and FanDuels, they offer you um, a chance for a little bit of money if you get it right to, to get a, a lot of money back. And... So I started reading about fantasy golf and there's actually some study online from some professor that got a grant from U.S. tax dollars to study the metrics in how to turn a profit playing fantasy golf and how to rank them. That's what we should be spending our tax money on. I think it probably isn't a bad thing. It's probably better than some other things. They spend <laughs> we can find a way to turn a profit. Yeah. And, you know, and, and at the very minimum, you know, it helps probably create things like DraftKings that go out and and uh, generate revenue and you know hire people and so forth. So I, there's probably some plus side to that. I'm not sure really that we should be spending our tax money on that. It should really be more of a a passion for the professor than a uh, you know than a than a paid taxpayer study. So anyway, I took this guy's study and uh, I read a bunch of them and. And uh, I, I put all the information in Excel, used all my Excel uh, skills to update this every week with the most uh, recent data, according to like the seven or eight data points that the, uh, that the professor found were predictive. And then I rank the golfers. But I have a couple little twists that I put in there because I'm smarter than a PhD from Stanford. Well, of course you are, Rich. Of course I am. Legend in your own mind. Yes, indeed. But uh, it, actually, it's more from experience. You know, coming from the uh, the finance side of things, the stock market, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of the folks do is the reversion to the mean, right? Right, right. So, you know, what I kind of do is I, I go through the process that the professor laid out, but I also layer in guys who have underperformed recently because, you know, statistically they should, um, you know, to get back to their normal score, they have to outscore their average. Yeah. I don't hope, hope that made sense, but no, it does. It does. Yeah. So then I, I layer in that, that, and then I also, you know, I do a little bit of research on like, how you know what metrics were the most important the last time mm-hmm. 
Um, they played at this particular, because one thing about golf, right, is they play at the same courses year after year. And of course, the courses can change, you know, from one year to the next because of weather conditions or, you know, the trees are taller or whatever. They move the tees and the greens around. They So there's a lot of different things that go into it, but there's still, um, you know, some metrics that carry through from tournament to tournament at the same courses. So I look at, you know, what was the most important thing last time they played? Was it putting? Was it, you know, tee to green? Was it scrambling? And then, so I, I look for guys that have underperformed that are at the top of the rankings that the professor had mm-hmm. who are also showing improvement in their game mm. at the area of, um, you know, whether it's tee to green. So whatever the, the most important factor was in the last couple of tournaments that the people won at that particular course, then I kind of weighed it that way too. So, I, you know, at this course in, in Minnesota where they're playing now, you know, I think last year was the first year they played there. It's a relatively new tournament, but the guys who perform best, you know, gain strokes, whatever that means, um, from tee to green. So I then weighted it for guys who gain strokes and who seem to be improving off the, uh, you know, off the tee. So oh, that's okay. the okay. process yeah. I went through. It's, 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 it's actually, you know, kind of well thought out, but it doesn't always turn out like that. Right. Right. There's always one guy who fits the criteria that, you know, that like this guy, Brian Harmon, that I picked on my team who, you know, he was, he was cruising along doing okay. And then he, I think he had a nine on the last hole in a par four mm-hmm. or maybe he had an eight. I mean, he, he had like, that's like my kind of number. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the great thing about the tour is that, you know, you can hit about golf. I mean, so you can go play golf yourself and hit a, you know, 280 yard drive right down the middle, just like the pros do. Mm-hmm. You can, you know, chip one in from, you know, off the green you can knock one stiff from 150 yards out. You can eagle a par five, right? Just like the pros do. I don't know that I can get up in the batter's box and, and face a Chapman with the ball coming at me 105 miles an hour and knock it out of the park. No, I, I don't think I could. No, and I, I don't think I get the you know get the corner on an NFL linebacker, at least not at my age now, <laughs> and, you know, and, and outrun him to the side, you know, outrun him to the pylon. Maybe when I was a teenager, you know, or my early 20s, but certainly not now. So, I, you know, the, the, I, I know for sure, 100% for sure, you know, I couldn't return a, a, a Jokovic serve. <laughs> that, that ball would probably be behind me before I swing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. But I can't hit the ball down the middle of a fairway. And, you know, I could do a lot of the things that the pros do. And sure as hell, I can score an eight on a par four, just like the guy on my fantasy team, Mr. Harmon. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've got him over at DraftKings as well. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at that status and just, yeah. You know, good job, Brian. Yeah. I mean, thanks for being, a, you know, a, a, an everyday hacker. I appreciate that. Right. Yeah, I spent really $8,000 on you. I spent $8,000 on you, Brian. Yeah, you know, I, people like the um, when with with these star teams like DraftKings and FanDuel and all mm-hmm. that the say one of the things they hate the most is people telling them, "Hey, you a hole! I spent money on you on my team and you lost, so you owe me." You know, the, the twenty bucks of the entry fee. 
Yeah, you got to be a real douchebag. I think I heard Odell Beckham really complaining about that one time. No, I think you're right. I think he should really complain. Yeah, yeah. I think he should really complain about dropping the ball when you're wide open (laughs) over the middle of the field, and you're likely to go for sixty and score a touchdown. Yeah, no, that that he's guilty of that too. All right, so you sent me the Mm -hmm. list. You sent me your list of your power rankings. Can you give me any suggestions on how best to utilize that list? Is it just in your mind? I, I want to tick down the list. I want to go Tommy Fleetwood, Harris English, just try and get as many of your top players into my card as possible. Is that just the best way? Do you have any suggestions? That's kind of the way the, the way I try to build my team is yeah. from the bottom up and not from the top down. Oh, okay. So, so what I try to do, so just from experience, I've found that, Usually the winner, my son and I, um, we keep track of the results. And we found that like last year, something like 70% of the winners mm-hmm. were in our top 30 rankings. So, you know, you consider that you know, golf is a field of, of uh, what, about 150 or more players per tournament. And now just the top 65 actually make the cut and tie for 65th. Mm-hmm. So less than half the field actually makes the cut. And the key has been to at least kind of like, really what you're trying to hope to do is you're trying to sputter along where, you know, you put your 20 bucks in. Cause I always play a sheet of integrity where you put your 20 bucks in and at the very minimum, you know, you, you make the first cut. So you get 30 bucks so that you just can continue playing with house money throughout the, until you hit a, a, a big one. Because they only pay out the top twenty percent, I think, at these at, uh, at DraftKings and FanDuel, unless you're in one of those fifty-fifty competitions. Right. But a friend of mine's father, who we talked about before in the past, who was a you know a professional blackjack yes. player, he always, he always told me, Rich, you know, if you're gonna bet, make sure you bet the max. So if you get paid, you get paid the max. Because whether you um, you know if your odds are one hundred and fifty thousand to one against you. If you pay play for a dollar and the payout's ten thousand dollars, or you play for twenty and the payout's a million, your odds are still one in one hundred and fifty thousand. So you might as well get paid the maximum amount if it's ever your turn to cash that check. So stay away from fifty fifties. Is that what you're saying? No, I don't think they're bad either. Okay. Because I, I have found that more often, I'd say, based upon my rankings, if you do the fifty fifty, and mm-hmm. I haven't done this, but I. My team's finish in the top fifty percent way more often than uh, w- way more often than fifty percent. I've seen people do that. I've seen people s- like treat the fifty fifty as cedar money for the tournaments. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bigger bet on the fifty fifty, and then you know, assuming that I win, I'm gonna use that money in the you know, the more uh, open tournaments and see if I can actually cash in. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably not a bad strategy. Mm-hmm. The thing is, so, since they they they've closed down, you know, all the sports were closed down. Yeah. Almost all the tournaments now are million dollar tournaments. So I, you know, I like to participate in the million dollar tournaments just in case one day I hit one. Right. You know, I told you before I hit one at like the 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 the, the genesis of probably these things, and they actually closed their business down afterwards. So. Right. Yeah, you never got paid. I remember that. Yes. I never got paid. So I'm yeah. hoping that I haven't used up all my, you know, all my uh, mm-hmm. one in one hundred fifty thousand um, checks to be cashed. So. <laughs> Anyway, back to your question. So what I like to try to do, and because 
you know, early on, there was just some scandals where the insiders were playing these things and they were, they got to see what people were drafting and yeah. they drafted the biggest names with the lowest ownership and, mm-hmm. it, and some guy won a couple hundred thousand dollars and, and you know, and they, and they were not doing it at DraftKings. They were, if they were at DraftKings, they were doing it at FanDuel and vice versa because they figured that the ownership ranks would be about the same. Yeah. And um, so that's why I kind of like to to build my team from the bottom up. I want to look for the cheap guys I think are going to play well first and then work my way to the more expensive guys. Okay. Okay. So that's how I build my team. Yeah. And what I like to try to do is I really like to try to focus on, because you have the, you know, one of the barriers to picking just straight from the top down is that, and I and honestly, I don't think it would make a difference if if everybody's salary was exactly the same, because there's always some small price guy that plays well that screws up the whole thing for everybody. But that's why I um I like to go from the bottom up because I want to own, you know, guys that are going to be one cheap. So there is a correlation between their salary and their ownership rate. There's mm-hmm. just no question about that. Right. And so the cheaper the guy is, the less the people are going to own him, the more diverse your team is going to be relative to the other folks. So I would like to have a, a, a unique team if I win. So I'm not sharing the million dollar prize with seven other people if I hit that one. So that's why I try to build it from the bottom up. And then I do try to focus on like the guys in the top 50 of the rankings, maybe the top 30. Okay. And then try to build my lineup around those guys. Okay. So that, can... that's what I do. No, it's I also, cool. I have the I have the luxury of having the entire spreadsheet in front of me. Yes. So, you know, versus just the the, the rankings from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, there's some things that I look for. You know, like I said, the guys who are trending well. So, for example, um, this week when you, you look at Dustin Johnson, who was very high, and, and you cannot not rank him high. But I wasn't very big on Dustin Johnson this week. And if I actually wrote an article, I would have um, mentioned that despite having him ranked on number six or number seven, strictly because, you know, he's Dustin Johnson. Johnson. Right. And you can't, I mean, you cannot not have him in your rankings because he is a threat to win. But to give you an idea, last, this tournament, um, as I mentioned early on, Tita Green was a big factor in winning the tournament last year. In his last tournament, um, Dustin Johnson, T to Green, dropped 19 spots in the rankings. Ooh. So he wasn't, his, you know, his, his, his driver apparently was getting away from him. Mm-hmm. And then on the greens, he was even worse. He dropped 60 points, 60 spots in rankings on putting shots gained. Damn. So that tells me that off the tee, something's not right. And on the greens, he's not reading it right. Yeah, so something's I, off, yeah. Yeah, so I faded him despite the fact that he was, you know, he, he was doing pretty well in that respect. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, man, hey, I'm, I'm a believer. I'm looking at Tom Hodge right now. He's mm. single-handedly keeping my team afloat on FanDuel. <laughs> right, yeah. So, I mean, that's why, I, you know, I like to build from the bottom up. So, if you look at Hodge, he's $7,100, right? So, mm-hmm. so, if you build it from the bottom up, it gives you a lot more flexibility at the end when you're trying to pick players. Yeah. So if you start at the top, what inevitably happens is, so let's just say, you know, Dustin Johnson's, you just got to have Dustin Johnson, you know, because last week, you know, he underperformed and you figure he's going to snap back. 
Well, he's got eleven thousand five hundred dollars. And so, you know, I also like, you know, let me let me. I also like Tony Finau. He played well last week. Mm-hmm. He's he's almost eleven thousand, ten thousand nine hundred dollars. And then at the end, now you have like sixty two hundred dollars left, and you're scrambling. Okay, which guy can I pick for sixty two hundred dollars? And there's like eight people to choose from. Yeah. And all of them have missed eight straight cuts. <laughs> so, you know, you just might as well pull out the magic eight ball and say, which one of these dudes do I want to pick? Right. So if you start from the bottom up, so you pick your first three golfers from, you know, below. So it tells you when you first log in, well, you got like $8,800 per golfer or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you just pick straight, you know, everybody equally ranked or of equal dollar amount. So if you start off with the guys who are under average, then the amount you can spend on per player goes up. So when you're trying to make those final two or three picks or final pick, instead of trying to find one guy that, you know, that, that has a $6,300 salary, that's got a, you know, a one in 20 chance to make the cut, then that's much different than I have $9,000 to spend on my last my last golfer and i pretty much have the run of the lot except for maybe the top six or seven guys yeah no no makes sense yeah that's kind of how i was utilizing your list was just kind of working my way up so i could afford somebody like tommy fleetwood who you had on the top of the list and watch him double bogey and yeah you know i the thing about fleetwood is i was i put him at the top of the game because he had a lot of rest i was reading he said he was playing pretty well this is his first tournament back yeah and, you know, those guys, one of two things typically happens with those guys. And I figured because he was coming back um, and he hadn't played in a while, so there's really no form, that he would not be uh, high ownership. But, you know, it turned out that he is one of the higher-owned guys. And, uh, you know, he double bogeyed that 18th hole. Apparently that 18th hole is a monster because mm. that's the same one that Harmon yeah. quadrupled. So uh, that's why I put him up there. Um, but – you know, like I said, I don't really, uh, I don't focus on the top guy per se. Okay. When I build my lineup, I go from the bottom up. Right. And then if I can put the top guy in there, I'm going to take him. But from looking at and having some history and golf, you know, you know there's only one guy that's going to win out of the 165 that tee it up on Thursday. And he's not necessarily always going to be the top guy on my list. Oh, yeah. It's whatever, and, man. Yeah. So I know that. But I do know that the odds are he's going to come out of the top 30. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that. And then I'm looking at guys who are trending in the right direction in terms of how they're playing their current form. Yeah. No, it's fun. I mean, I'm, I'm digging it. I haven't really paid attention to golf in forever. So this has been fun. Yeah. No, that's, and I, I've actually find for fantasy, you know, yeah. these fantasy contests, to me, golf is, I, I like golf the most because you play once and if you get um, so you pay once and if you get your guys across the, the, to me, the real key to making any money is getting the maximum number of guys that you can across the cut line. Yeah. And since more than 50% of the field gets cut, you know, mathematically, you know, no matter what you pick, half the guys are likely to miss the cut. So if you can get five or preferably six guys, I have found that if I get five guys across the finish line, more often across the cut line mm-hmm. more often than not i cash at yeah. the bottom end but i cash and gives me enough to play the next week yeah, makes sense I, I can't think of a time where i got all six across the finish line and i didn't get paid yeah so 
this week it looks like if you know if Tommy Fleetwood plays fairly well, I'll end up getting five or six across the finish line and hopefully, you know, take my twenty bucks, turn it into thirty, and have my sheet of integrity paid for for next week. Sounds good. Let's do it. I am getting my ass kicked by somebody named Casey Brett in my so you know that's just that's that's a that's insult to injury right there. It sure is. <laughs> So yeah, that's how I would build my teams yeah. going forward. And then, and then uh, you know, of course, you could always call me, or I can just send you the sheet so you can see where people are trending. Or we can, you know, Richie put a lot of time into it, and they say time is money. Time is money. Yeah, maybe maybe it's time to start putting this out for purchase. Maybe, and uh, you know, I, as we put it up there for people to see the rankings, and hopefully, yeah. folks avoided uh, Mr. Harmon. Um, I did not. <laughs> kind of wish I had gone with a couple of others on there that are high up the leaderboard, but yeah. hey, what are you going to do? Right. So we'll talk about that later, but yeah, if, if you're interested in fantasy golf, let us know. It'll be, be fun. Be fun to yeah. get you into know, it. We get the rankings out and you know, we can, we can, uh, group think and maybe put together the million dollar team. Oh, I like that. I like, all right. So let's switch gears. I'm debating whether I'm going to split this into two podcasts or one, one fantasy golf, one horse racing. I'm not sure. That's your call, bro. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. All right, so we're talking horse racing now. We got to switch gears entirely. Yes, to horse racing. Oh, my point was that if you get, I forgot. My point was on the fantasy golf. What makes it better, in my opinion, is if you get your five, your four guys across, six guys across the mm-hmm. uh, cut line. You're playing Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so you're involved every single day. So you're getting four days of fun for one payment. Whereas in football, it's usually that day. Yeah. So you, 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 it doesn't carry over from one day to the next. No. Or baseball or basketball or any of the other sports. That's true. It's a good, it's a good bang for your buck, entertainment-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it I is got the no- most value, and, uh, and the payout's the same. So. Yeah. All righty, right. on to the next podcast. Let's talk about <laughs> the king of sports. Is that it? This is Budweiser of sports? Yeah, that's what they said. Horse racing is the sport of kings, right? So, I guess so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the sport of DraftKings. <laughs> and it's kind of a quiet weekend for racing. I know it wasn't intentional, but I guess maybe uh, somewhere deep down in the, you know, in the basement where all the, the head honchos from the sports get together, they, baseball told them we're going to open up on July 23rd and uh, you know, let us have that weekend because there's really only six graded stakes races this weekend. Mm-hmm. And none of them are of the um i mean they're all graded stakes races so they're all really good races but you know nothing like the haskell that we saw last weekend or the whitney that we'll see next weekend right so, well you got to toot your own horn about last weekend first though man that's for sure Yeah, we had a nice nice exact to hit for for what 200 bucks that's 200 always bucks. yeah that's always usable yeah i'll take that every weekend yeah. to what and you know the thing was you know we called it right we said the one horse would um his odds would probably rise and it did and he ended up i think close to 10 to 1 and then the second horse parent was 10 to 1 so we ended up getting a really nice uh exact out of that and then of course we had the you know the the one with um authentic winning which was you know that's that's not really the, the uh, taking the, the greatest amount of skill although the jockey just about blew that he looked between his legs to see how much space he had and he you know he felt like when he ran away from new york traffic that you know, the race was over and then New York traffic came back on him and almost caught him at the wire because the jockey got a little too nonchalant. Mm, boy. So I was, he, you know, I, he thought it was over. He was counting those chickens, as they say, before the chicken <laughs> hatched. Yeah. 
we got to come up with a better saying than that. That's too old. Yeah, we we do. We do I don't know what something that's a little more you know a little edgier. You know, like <laughs> I had something in mind, but I won't go there. You can do edge here. I don't care. You know that. I'm not yeah, going to censor you. It's free speech, Rich. Everybody. Yeah, I, you know, I, it's not that I, you know, I'm not worried about you censoring me. I'm worried about the rest of the world censoring me and in, in hurting sales. Oh, well. You got to uh, think of Chris too. You got to think of Chris. That, that's what I'm talking about. You know, if it was, if, if, if it were my site, I would, uh, <laughs> I would be unleashed. <laughs> but since it's not my site, you know, I, I, you know, I'm the dog with the muzzle on and the little, you know, whatever that little, Thing is, they stick around their neck that looks, makes them look like a flower. I got that and the muzzle on. Cone on. The cone of silence. And that's right. The cone of silence. It's probably not a bad thing for me. No, no, no. Because, you know, I, I'm, I, I can be way out there. I hadn't noticed. So, the, uh, so while we don't have a big race in terms of, um, you know, what I would say consequence, there's no, there's, you know, there's not a race where someone's going to get in the Kentucky Derby or something like that. But what we do have is a big horse perhaps the biggest horse on the planet in terms of quality right now. And in Del Mar, uh, you know, they're reopening after 15 jockeys tested positive for coronavirus last week. And they're welcoming in, in the 10th race, the San Diego handicap, maximum security. There we go. That's your boy right there. Yeah. I think he might well be the best horse on the planet right now. Maybe I'm, a, you know, in the minority on that. I don't know, but, and this horse is a bad step. And, you know, some say a bad disqualification in the Kentucky Derby away from being undefeated in 10 starts. Mm -hmm. And he just went over to Saudi Arabia for that uh, $20 million race, the most, the the richest race in the, uh, I guess that literally was the the, uh, sport of kings that day, um, (laughs) raced in Saudi Arabia and won it. And didn't really win it in his normal style either. Usually he's up on the front and just, you know, catch me if you can. And he actually had to come from off the pace to win that race. So that was pretty good to see that, he, you know, he's capable of winning in uh, in more than one way. Right, right, right. He handles adversity. Yeah. So, you know, to, 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 to cash the check in a $20 million race, the, the richest race of all time, you know, I think that speaks volumes for how you know how str- strong that horse is. It wasn't like six horses in the field; it was fourteen horses. God damn! Me. So he is good. Big, big ass field. Yeah, he's no joke. No, and a lot of stuff can go wrong. You know, with 14, 13 other horses, and it's not like he broke from the rail or broke from the fourteenth post, and he had like a clean shot. He was broke right dead smack in the middle, number seven. Wow. We got horses to his left, horses to his right, and here I am stuck in the middle with you. Yeah, well, that's a bad place to be stuck with me. Uh-huh. Oh. So he, he came through, he won that race and, you know, he's finished first in every race, except for one, his return after the Kentucky Derby, when he got a bad step, stumbled at the start mm-hmm. and, you know, he finished second by a length. So, I mean, that's excusable. Um, you know, you sprain your ankle in the middle of a basketball game. It's kind of hard to, you know, to drive to the basket anymore. He almost did it anyway. Well, you know, it's good to see he wasn't a Le- LeBron and had to be carried off the, carried off the track. No. Well, yeah, it's too hot. I got cramps, man. <laughs> I can't go out there. Ref, you fouled me, man. <laughs> anyway, right. yes. The uh, LeBron's taking I, enough I, shots I, I on everywhere. Player in all professional sports, wine more than that guy. I'm Have you? To think. I'm, I, I can't think of one. I mean, of all the whining players, maybe I, Bill, I, Bill Lambeer. Maybe you know he was a good. He was maybe, a, maybe, 
But is that really where you want to be if you're considered one of the, you know, if you want to be considered the GOAT, that you have something in common with Bill Lambeer and that's you cry about every call? It's a generational thing. Generational thing. Isn't I don't it? know. I mean, I don't see everybody else on the court doing that. Well, KD Durant, he's probably the softest player in the NBA. Probably, yeah. No. At least mentally. I mean, when you have yeah. to have a secondary um, a Twitter account so you can praise yourself. Right. Or when you got to hide from Russell Westbrook because you're afraid to tell him you're leaving. Yeah, yeah. That, that's probably probably not the best thing either. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a generational thing. We're a little bit softer now than we used to be. Edge is a little yeah. rounded off. Well, I guess that's because if you act like a man, you know, you're told you're toxic. It could be. It yeah, could I mean, be. And I mean, I'm not saying that everything we do is wonderful. We have a lot of, you know, <laughs> we, we, we do a lot of dumb things as guys. That's why we represent, what, 96% or something like that of the jail population. Yeah. But the fact is, you know, you know, you know, in our DNA is, you know, chasing animals down and beating them head over with a club so our family could eat. That's true. That's true. You know? So I, to, to say that, you know, we're not going to have a little bit of cavemen still in us, it's just, you know, it's kind of foolish. I caught a little bit of jackass the other day and I was like, oh, I really miss this show. I really miss these guys doing these crazy ass stunts. So that was, that was fun yeah. to see. And you laugh your ass off. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Jackass is so fucking funny. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, my wife watches it and she doesn't get the same kind of thrill out of it. So, you know, I, it just proves that we still have some of that caveman DNA yeah, in it. We're still fucking knuckleheads deep down inside, Rich. <laughs> you know, what's wrong? I mean, some of the stunts, like going to the bathroom. And oh, the, yeah, you yeah. Know, you can take a little, that's a little over the top. Right. But, you know, when they're just putting themselves through like ridiculous pain, like letting mousetraps snap on their nuts, yeah. I mean, that shit is <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and I know a lot of people probably don't find, I, I couldn't find, personally, I couldn't find the nerve to do that. No. No matter how much I drank, I would still probably be a little bit more thoughtful than, you know, I'm going to let a mousetrap smack me in the scroll. <laughs> yes. But it's still funny as hell. Yeah. All right, or so like we got our movie talk in. There we go. Boom. Or like and when you they, saw uh, it. The Butterbean one, I think, is the best when he, when he knocks out Johnny Knox. <laughs> yes. Good stuff. That's hilarious. And there's the look on the people's face in that store when he did that. That, that to me, is the funny part. It's not so much what they're doing, it, which is funny, too, but it's the reaction of the people around them that just makes it funny as hell. Yeah, no doubt. So anyway, what Butterbean and all that stuff has to do with kings in Saudi Arabia and winning races, I don't know. But it's all connected. The, it's all connected somehow. It's that lack of attention span. That's me. Yeah, in a nutshell, common, right there. Common nowadays. So... <laughs> So I, I think maximum security is even money. You're not going to get you know paid to play. Uh, maximum security is not going to be even money when the gates open. Oh no, he's going to get worse, huh? Yeah, he's going to drop down. He'll be three to five, maybe two to five, and who knows? Maybe one to nine because there's really not a lot of stiff competition in this field. The um, you know he's he's probably going to get to the front. Maybe Axeman, who is the uh, uh, the 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 two horse at eight to one. We'll keep him company out of the gates, but you know this horse has run in integrated stakes races six times, yeah. and every single time he's run integrated stakes race, he's backed up at the end. Anytime he's been kind of pressured up on the lead, Axeman has backed up. So I think you know he's probably got a chance to finish third or fourth Axeman. 
Um, but I don't think that he's going to be able to sustain an upfront run with maximum security. At least he hasn't shown that that's something he can do, particularly at the highest levels. So I think if there's any horse that's going to upset him, um, to me, it's going to be the one horse, higher power. This is a horse that does have a grade one win, so that's a positive. He's running some great races like the Breeders' Cup Classic, which mm-hmm. is as good a race as there's going to be. It, it's you know it's sort of like the twenty million dollar race without the twenty million dollars, but it's you know you you got to earn your way into the Breeders' Cup Classic, and you know it's it, it literally is a gathering of the best of the best. And then he ran in the Pegasus World Cup Grade One, which again is another best of the best race where he was um, the favorite, mm-hmm. but didn't respond that day. You know, he just didn't want to race. He's raced one set Delmar and uh, on the dirt. He's also raced around the turf, but this race is on the dirt. And he ran his best he ran his best speed figure ever, uh, 110, in a close to the front uh, win. So I would think if if higher power is going to take him security, I would I, I I would see the gates opening up, maximum security on the lead, with Axman chasing him, or Axman slightly with the lead, with with uh, maximum security patiently sitting behind him, and right off their hail would be higher power just waiting and then, um, you know, trying to bust through at the end because he's, he's been literally a little bit more of a off the pace runner than on the lead runner. Mm-hmm. But the only thing is he's run against anytime he's run against some of the better horses, like improbable who's, who's a good horse, but not in that great stratosphere. So he's kind of like a tier two, good horse, not a tier one. Right. Right. Improbable. Okay. Same space that mucho gusto kind of, um, Another horse that higher power finished behind in the uh, breeder in the uh, Pegasus World Cup. I gotcha. Yeah. And Vino Rosso, who's kind of like a one A horse. He's yeah. a really good horse, but like just a hair under maximum security. He's always finished behind these horses. Gotcha. Gotcha. So maximum security is so, the is the, uh, is the Mahomes, and these other horses are like the Lamar Jackson. Yeah. It's all right. It's not. I don't know. I, I, I give Lamar a lot of props, man. And for for some of the off the field stuff, you know, I read he's a he's a great teammate. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure he's great. hard. You know, and, and you know, political or not political, you know, when the president, who's you know obviously a highly controversial figure for a lot of people, um, when the president complimented him, uh, you know, on his game, you know, he didn't fire back with some kind of opportunity to make a you know some kind of comment. He was respectful and said thanks. Yeah. And, you know, and I, I appreciate that. I might not agree with, you know, some political views, but if I were in that spot and I might not agree with the president's viewpoint, but <laughs> if the president, if the leader of the free world took his time out to tell me, you know what, I appreciate what you're doing in your line of work. You know, if it was the president I hated the most, I would still say thank you. So if Calvin Coolidge said good game, you'd say thank I you. Don't, I think Calvin Coolidge doesn't get any credit for how great a president he was. <laughs> Do you know that he was so oh, he boy. actually cut government spending in half? I didn't know that. No. Yeah. You, did you know that? No, I didn't know that. He was one of three presidents in the last hundred years where he left office and there were less regulations than when he came into office. Okay. And the other one was Ronald Reagan, and, and we're currently experiencing the third. There it is. There it is. So history he, lesson. He did not, and I think there's a reason why, you know, your history books don't really, you know, don't really um, emphasize the success that that man had. 
because it runs contrary to everything that people believe nowadays, you know, maximizing government debt so that your children will be paying 90% tax rates sometime down the line. At some point, that bill is going to come due. Oh, no, Rich, the Fed can just keep printing money. We don't ever have to worry about paying the bill. I think that's true, provided we're the reserve currency in the world. <laughs> the minute we're no longer the reserve currency, you know, ask the British about this, right? The minute you're no longer the reserve currency around the world and everybody's got to convert their currency into dollars to go buy things like oil, the minute that changes, and it's likely to change at some point, because history says it will change. And I know that, you know, history is not perfect, but Mark Twain was right. History does rhyme. Uh, at some point, other people are going to demand a seat at that table. And when they do, uh, the ability to just print is not going to be the same. Fortunately, go. we'll probably be dead by then. But <laughs> Thankfully, thankfully. Thank, thankfully. It'll be somebody our, else's problem. Our grandchildren won't be dead. But anyway, that has nothing to do with horse racing. Well, let's, yeah, let's leave them some inheritance here. How are we going to bet this horse racing? So... <clears throat> The other horse that I think has a chance to maybe clip him at the wire is midcourt. That's the six horse. And outside of that, I don't see anybody that, you know, has a chance to beat him. Combatant won a race where he did top a couple of these other horses in this field. So if there's a long shot, combatant is the one that I think has a chance to get there, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to pull off the upset. Uh, but I don't know if he will, because he did get the better of midcourt one time. So that would be the other horse that I would think. And he's only six to one. So he's not really a long shot, really more of a value play. So for me, the way I'm going to bet it, I'm just going to flat out put maximum security on top in an exacta with higher power midcourt for the cheap ticket. And then uh, and second and third. And then if, you know, to try to hit something bigger, you know, I might do um, combatant with um, midcourt and higher power. Uh, on top of maximum security for a backdoor exacta, Ooh. hoping that combatant's odds go up to like 10 to 1 and he's able to pull it off. But he's an off-the-pace horse, a track where speed, you know, speed is important. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. How did it end? So maximum security. The reason you want to watch this race really is not so much about collecting a ticket. I mean, that's the, the, the end goal. But anytime you have a chance to witness greatness, somebody who's really, you know, or a horse in this case, that's, you know, really at the top of the game in that game, it's worth the two minutes to watch the race. Oh, Rich, you're witnessing that every Friday noon. Is it Friday or Thursday? <laughs> well, Thursday, you're just looking in the mirror. At myself at noon, yes. Doing, um, you know, Saturday night live confirmations, right? <laughs> yes, you truly are the best. Stuart Smalley can do it yes you can do it you can pick that horse rich it's okay you can go on with arch it's okay you're in his class well almost 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 not even close because after all you need a new horse racing expert <laughs> it wasn't so much a bash on you except it was but that's okay oh it's we all everybody loves you everybody loves you i can take it man i get i get max uh, telling me how much he thinks he's a big fan of yours. Max loves it. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Maybe, maybe bring him on the show at Max and then, you know, I smack him around a little bit. He might not like me so yeah, Right, right. I try and tell him, like, no, Rich is an asshole. You don't, you don't understand. Like, it's my middle name, bro. My yeah. mom, she's an asshole. Eaglemeyer. 
You want to do another race? Or you yeah, wrap we can it do up? one more. You know, All people right. didn't come to listen to one race where I'm giving them a one-to-one shot, right? So this time I'm going to give them a two-to-five instead. Oh, where are we looking? We're going to stay at Del Mar. Okay. You know, so I, you know, I like to stay in races so you can connect them if you do pick threes or pick fours, that sort of stuff. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So in race number, uh, the race uh, leading up to the San Diego Handicap, um, in maximum security is race nine. It's the San Clemente stakes. It's another graded race. This one is a um, mile on the turf. And I have a little bit of a nice priced horse on the top of my ticket. This would be nice. Yeah, so the, the, the rail horse is She's So Special. And uh, obviously they're talking about my, 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 the, the women in my life, all of them. But this is a horse that ran um, in June on um, five and a half furlongs on dirt and posted by far the top speed figure. I mean, it wasn't even close. But this time, you know, they're stretching out to a mile. So she's going to have to show that she can run the longer distance. But she's been closing in her five and a half furlong races. So in races that typically favor horses that can get to the front and just outrun everybody from post to to, to wire. Mm-hmm. She's been able to track them down. So um, I'm a fan of that. I expect that, you know, she'll probably be a little bit closer to the front than than uh, normal because she's got that little bit of a short race kind of pedigree in her, at least recently. Yeah. But that she runs the same race she ran last time. It won't even be close. And Peter Miller, and this is a guy who wins his last race, follows it up, goes back-to-back dubs. Wow. At 25%. So that's a pretty high number. Uh, he's won 27% of the races so far at Del Mar. And Flavian Pratt, who's one of the top jockeys there so far, has kind of underperformed. So, you know, you're looking for a little bit of a revision there with the jockey. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him do, uh, you know, start to get back to his winning ways. And she's so special, has been the favorite, I think, in eight of her last 10 races. So, you know, clearly, a uh, well-respected horses by horse players, and although she's five to one in the morning line, I think she'll probably be less than five to one when they actually take off. Like it. So that's my top pick in that race. Yeah. Backing it up, popping my peas, doing you know just those wonderful things for podcasts. <laughs> Backing it up with Laura's Light. She's three horse. At three to one, and I think she's actually the favorite. So whenever you see a race where the favorite's like three to one, five to two, that just tells you the odds maker doesn't really see a horse that they feel is a standout in the field. Five to two or three to one, those are kind of like, well, I got to pick somebody to win morning line favorites. So this is the one I'm picking. And they really don't, the odds makers, they don't really um, put the odds based upon who they think is going to win. Right, right, right. Do it based upon how they think the betters are going to bet. I would hope everybody listening to that podcast knows this. We talk about this, you know. Yeah, it's a little bit different than setting the odds in Las Vegas because Vegas is a you know you're trying to attract in money fifty mm-hmm. fifty, trying to hit that you know that sweet spot where you know for every dollar that comes in on Team A, a dollar comes in on Team B, and there's no risk to the house because they're just going to take their cut and then take the, and then just move the pile of money from the, from the loser's hands to the winner's hands. 
horse racing is mutual stuff. So there's really no, they don't care who people bet on because of the mutual pool and they just take their cut one way or the other. So there's no risk to the house at all. But um, in this particular case, Laura's light has uh, finished first in three of her last four races. Mm-hmm. And she's done particularly well, you know, when she's gone a longer distance. So last time out, she ran a mile and an eighth. She won. Uh, the last time she ran a mile, she won. And the time before that at Delmar, she finished second. So she has a, you know, she, she has a liking for the distance. She's shown that she can do well. She's won three of her four races on turf. She's got a second place finish at Delmar. So if you, if you go down the uh, Ben Franklin um, T of, you know, pluses on one side, minuses on the other for decision-making, uh, this is a horse that you'd have to put in your, in your, uh, in your, on your tickets. Okay. Number nine, Warren's Showtime. I think she's, um, she's seven to two. I think she's also scheduled to perhaps run in another race. So she might scratch out of this spot. I think she's actually scheduled to run today too, in another race. So she may or may not be in this race, but she's run on turf six times, won four of them. She got two runs at Del Mar. One, one of them finished out of the money in the other. And, you know, she tends to be another one that's kind of a little bit more towards the middle to the back of the pack and then comes charging on late. And this is a, you know, despite being turf, despite being a, dis, uh, a route race, Delmar does tend, as the West Coast tends to do, for whatever reason, tends to favor horses that get up and near the front. So she's not really a front runner. So she's going to be coming from the back of the pack. But there's enough speed up front that she'll have a good, um, she'll likely have a good tempo to kind of to run into. Mm-hmm. Should be some tiring legs. It looks uh, like, look, real quick, Warren Showtime looks like she scratched out today. Did she? So she is running then. Looks no, she like scratched it. out today. today. She is running tomorrow. Yeah, it looks like good. it. All right. So she um she's a horse that definitely needs to be in your ticket with that, you know, four wins and six tries on turf at the distance with a third. So, you know, five out of six, she's found her way uh, into the top three, onto the podium, most of the time collecting the gold medal. But speed does, you know, hold up here. So there's a horse number six. It's a speed horse to uh, Cheermeister. Tried dirt for the first time last time and just didn't dig it. Mm. Finished sixth out of six, 25 lengths behind the leader. <laughs> That's not quality. <laughs> But in the, you know, in the, in the six races prior to that, uh, uh, she ran on turf and she won three of them with a pair of seconds. And in one seven and a half furlong race at Gulfstream Park, you know, she just broke through the gate and tired. You know, your horse breaks through the gate before the race starts and then they stick it back in the gate. You might as well just take that ticket and just rip it up, and, you know, and, make it rain busted up money because I've not seen, I can't, I maybe once I've seen it or twice, but I can't remember a horse that broke through the gate, you know, expended that energy like they, they do at the start of the race. Then the handlers to take them, you know, back around and put them back into the gate and then race and win. Mm. That's inevitably the kiss of death. So it doesn't surprise me that in that particular race, that the horse didn't run well. I wouldn't expect it to run well. Um, so that would be like, 
you know, a 20 yard, 20 yard dash, you know, and a 50 yard dash, given all the other horses, a two, you know, a 10 yard head start, it's just not going to happen. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, she didn't do well. So if she runs to her normal form, you know, she's got a pair of grade three wins. So she's able to handle the, you know, the quality. If she runs to her normal form, Cheermeister will be near the front of the pack at, at, a, at a track where speed holds and will have a chance to go wire to wire and offer you some good value. So I, I think there's a lot of good value in this yeah. race, a lot of good value. And to round out our picks, we have number eight, Mind Out, who's 15 to one, another closer, but has not finished any worse than third. And he's even ran well on the all-weather surface, a synthetic track at golf uh, at Golden Gate Fields. So she, you know she's shown that you know she can handle different surfaces, uh, which is a good thing. I, I, I feel so. I think she'll be closing late, and we'll have a chance to um, maybe go in for the trifecta at the end or the exacta. And then um, we're we're rounding it out with number five, and I don't even want to pronounce that name. That's uh, Krofvok. Whatever that, and I know that's not how they pronounce it either, because you know I'm I'm doing it phonetically and it has some kind of other name to do it. So anyway, that's my sixth pick, my second alternative. So in terms of exactas, I'm just going to box my top four horses: the the one, the three, the six, and the nine. I, I think the odds are the winners in there, and odds are the second place horses in there. And then for my um, trifecta, I'm going to go with the top three horses: one, three, nine. With one, three, six, nine. So those are the um, top four horses. So three over four over the top five. One, three, six, eight, and nine. And hopefully Mind Out comes in um, third and makes that ticket fat. But I, I, I expect that, you know, there's going to be a decent payout in that race. So you bet the ninth for the money and you bet the tenth, you know, to, to, to watch perhaps the best horse on the planet um, do his thing. Sounds good, man like it Whew. good stuff we touched on a lot of stuff we touched on you know a little political stuff we touched on fantasy golf horse racing man i'm watching tommy fleetwood he's plus one through two and hey, good job man yeah, he's doing great man well <laughs> yesterday he started out well and finished poorly so hopefully he does the opposite today brian Harmon is minus one so you know that's the thing with guys who are coming back from i found they either play great or they don't play so good at all so i, I yeah. was I was flipping the coin that he'd play great and have low ownership, and it just didn't just didn't yeah, pan out that way. It's gambling, man. It is gambling, but like I said, you know, I, I, more often than not, um, you know, I, I put five or six across the finish line through the uh, through the cut line, and, mm-hmm. and and you know, at least cash some money. Last year for the U.S. Open, my son was at a soccer game on a Saturday night, the night before, and we were like in twenty fourth position. You know, when when they when they finished up that night out of, you know, 170,000 people, however many people play, mm-hmm. you know, all we needed was a good Sunday. We didn't get it, but, you know, we've been there quite a few times where, you know, one guy finishes a hole and you jump up, you know, 40, 50 spots, because when you're near the top, it's, it's, you know, the volatility is super high. Yeah. It shifts pretty quick. Yeah. So, you know, it's fun to watch yourself bounce from number 15 to number 1000 and, you know, and from one second to the next. All right. All right. We've been doing this for an hour. Anything else we need to know? That's it. Markets, you know, I think the market is the market. It's, you know, I, you know, it, I guess it doesn't ever do anything but go up. So, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, 
Yeah, but it's been down the last couple of days as the, you know the COVID stuff is kind of kicking in. Um, and I expect to, you know, earnings have been pretty solid for the most part. Some of the bigger names recently have struggled, but a lot of the uh, earnings have come in better than expected. Forecasts haven't been you know, as dire as people probably think. So mm-hmm. uh, earnings are doing pretty well. The market's, you know, up near highs. I expect that, you know, it's going to become a little bit more tied to the election the closer and closer we get to the election, oh, particularly yeah. after Labor Day. Yeah, you know, because things change, you know, if – you know, the market doesn't like uncertainty is a axiom that gets a lot of play. And, you know, people want to be able to plan for the future and know kind of what to expect. So if Trump wins, Wall Street knows what's next, right? We've had four years of it uh, in terms of his economic policy, you know, not his tweets or anything like that. (laughs) Right. Um, If Joe Biden wins, people are kind of unsure because his positions have been shifting um, from, you know, where he stood as a, as a Senator, as a vice president to where he is right now. Um, so I think that, you know, from what I read, there's what, 10,000, $10 trillion in proposed changes mm-hmm. so far. And we still have quite a few months to the election. So yeah. that number has a lot of room to move up. Mm-hmm. He's you know, actively campaigning on raising taxes, you know, and getting rid of the business tax cut that, you know, they passed which a lot of companies, you know, said is been, ha- has been very uh, useful for their bottom lines. And Goldman Sachs, I think, did a study that if they took that out, earnings would drop something like, you know, just, just the tax change would drop earnings by something like 10 to 15%. Oof. So, you know, earnings are the drivers. So if the multiple stays the same, so if the PE ratio remains at 20, but the earnings number drops by 15% or 10%, then stocks drop by 10%. Oh, okay. So that's, and that's why, at least initially, um, you know, the, the market during an election year tends to be tied to the, the incumbent. And then, you know, after the election is over, then they can start to plan for, um, you know, new policies and stuff like that and position their money for the winners, and, you know, yeah. and, and get their money out of the, the losers, I, you know, and I, I just kind of have a problem with um, Washington, D.C. and politicians deciding who gets to win and who gets to lose and, and not just, you know, the 330 million people um, making decisions on their own behalf. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to argue against it. Yeah, kind of like it's hard to argue against the Washington football team. <laughs> there it is. Could I you pick a better name than that? Uh, well, they'll come up with a new name, right? Well, they say they're going to, but I don't know. I mean, it's not like this has been an issue that's not been kind of in the newspapers for the last few years. You would think they would have thought, well, if we're going to change the name, we should have a something that we're going to go to. Well, Dan Snyder's treating it just like he treats his football team. He doesn't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> well, he's got to have consultants, no? Oh, Jesus Christ. I mean, what, what is this consultant saying about his actual football team? You don't lose by a significant margin and then drink all night, get on a plane and start flying around looking for new head coaches. That's what Dan Snyder does. You know, it's good to have FU money, brother. Oh, that's true. That is true. If you got the FU money, does it really matter? I mean, if you, could, if, if you had the money to buy a football team, does it really matter? It's not. No, nah, I mean, not. you can you can do that, right? You can fly off drunk 
after a night of getting blown out and, and go get a new coach or yeah. whatever, <laughs> whatever the hell you want, which I think is the, uh, the beauty of having that sort of money. That's true. But it, you know, well, what's it, what's it done for you, Dan? What's it done for you? Well, you know, he, he, he's a billionaire, right? So apparently what he's done for him works. Well, yeah, it does. I mean, I'm just thinking on the field performance. Yeah, no, I, you know, the, but I think that goofy bastard Eli's got two Super Bowls. How many do you have, Dan? <laughs> you know what the funny thing is? I think that um, he's made the mistake, and and I and I, and Jerry Jones used to make this mistake as a Cowboys fan, but he he does not make the mistake anymore. Is that I think teams that go out and chase the name free agent and, and spend all that money usually don't do that well. No, they don't. And I think he's fallen in that trap trying to, to please fans by going out and signing guys to big contracts with big names, right? Right, right, right. It's a PR move. Right. And I think he's fallen into that trap. And Jerry Jones used to do that too, but he doesn't do it any longer. So I think the teams that in the NFL that have – I mean, the model right now is a young quarterback. You don't spend a lot of money on him, right? And yes. you build around him. That's yeah. the model. And then you get him to sign a 10-year contract that's team-friendly. Was that team friendly for? The, oh yeah, I think so. I think so there's going to be a couple of years where it's going to be tight, but that's how you. That's when you renegotiate, right? So, and I mean, and if you look at all the success they had in New England, Brady never got paid the Brady market, and you know because his focus was on winning. And I think, to Mahomes' credit, I I, I think at least at this point, I feel like that's what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I mean, if you're going to get paid five hundred million dollars over ten years. What's 600 million or 700 million or 400 million? You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, Mahomes understands he's a brand. He's going to get paid elsewhere. He knows. Right. He, so he's going to be a billionaire for sure. So, oh, yeah. The, you know, so to me, that's the model. And I think Dan Snyder, unfortunately, has fallen into the PR trap of trying to pick, you know, the guy out of free agents to, to please the fans when there's nothing else going on. <laughs> right. It's true. Yeah. And whereas the, the you know the, Belichick never does that, right? He goes out and gets the guy nobody wants, mm -hmm. pays him peanuts, and then tries to rehab him. And then, yeah, and then once he's rehabbed, he cuts him before he costs too much money and gets the next one. And he does it again. So to me, that's the winning model, and he hasn't followed that model, and that's probably why he hasn't had success. Oh, well, it could be. All right, Rich, I have podcasted too long today. It's time to time to close it up. Indeed. You have a great weekend. Good luck at the races, everybody. Stay healthy and uh, good luck with your golf teams. And, you know, we'll talk about that some more going forward. Oh, I'm looking forward. And get over to Guaranteed Tip Sheet. Get get your, get your all the horses played. Get all the plays. Pay Chris yeah. so he can pay Rich. It's trickle-down mm -hmm. economics. So I can do more than one sheet of integrity in these damn things. <laughs> yeah, all and right. you know, the thing is, we've been really doing well uh, since the, uh, since the uh, we haven't really had a bad day. So I may have just jinxed us. But, you know, we've had good day after good day after good day where our best bets are, you know, finishing in the money at a really high percentage. And, you know, my goal is when when handicapping um, to, to average $2,000 per winning per track that I have to handicap. Oh, OK. And, um, you know, we've been hitting those numbers for quite a while now. So it's, uh, we, you know, we, we, we've been doing something right. So fingers crossed we continue to do so. We got it. All right, man. Talk to you later. Yeah, Arch, have a great day. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. 
Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.